The Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome everyone to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. I want to say thanks again to the listeners and all the great feedback we're getting and all the great questions. Keep those coming. And thanks again to all our sponsors. Want everyone to check out our downloadable daily creative exercises on our website, theabstractathlete.com. Uh, it also gives information on upcoming events and workshops. And don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Super excited to talk with industrial designer, entrepreneur, former U.S. World Cup and Premier League soccer player, Jay Demerit today. Going to talk uh, about his unique path to becoming a soccer star and his incredible Rise and Shine Foundation, which can be found at theriseandshinefoundation.com. And with that, please welcome Jay Demerit. up dude what's up how the hell are you doing i'm doing very very well thank you how are you awesome as much as can be um and so yeah like let's let's just start rolling in the i mean there's for for me like i i think there's so much to talk about with with you like you like overlap with so much of what chris and i are, you know, like have dealt with in terms of your background as an athlete, um, your, your creative in multiple ways, like starting, starting the, the speaker company and then like the rise and shine camp. So like, maybe I think, you know, that maybe just to dive in at the beginning here, like with your, the back, your background, like as an athlete, because like you have like a, a super interesting path to me as an athlete, you know, like you played at UIC, correct? And you- yep. Yep. So I, I mean, again, to, to kind of start it out, I guess it, it, where, where kind of my creative side went to, again, most, most people know that I grew up in Wisconsin. You know, so I, I, you know, I was this, you know, Academy product that had all this opportunity. You know, I had a cornfield across the street from my house. I played basketball. I ran track. Uh, I liked art. I had uh, jobs from landscaper to locker cleaner to, you know, school. You know, we used to get, get all this. And again, this is also to know, too, for, for the audience, you know, both my parents were educators and teachers. So I come from a long line of coaches and teachers. Both my parents were gym teachers. My aunt was a social studies teacher. You know, my grandma was a coach and a, and a teacher and her husband was a coach and a teacher. And that was my dad's parents. So, you know, I was always around schools. I was always around the curriculums. I was always around the gym climbing the rope and shooting hoops and running races and playing with our remote control cars. And, you know, I was just, you know, your typical kid. I, yeah. I wasn't this kid that, you know, excelled. I, I excelled at sports, but, you know, I was a B plus A minus student. I was, uh, um, you know, I liked art. I liked other stuff. Um, you know, I cared about school, but, you know, I, again, I, I was a social kid. I, I enjoyed my friends. I would go 
you know, swim at the pond or we'd, you know, ride our bikes or, you know, do stuff like that. And I think that's one of the big issues in kids now. Like they're not really allowed to be kids anymore. They're, nope. They got to be LeBron. They got to be LeBron James when they're 14 now. And it's, it's, yep. it's really kind of, in all, in all honesty, annoying um, when, 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 when you're a coach or when you're a, uh, you know, someone that's trying to create programs is that these kids now are, are in such a different place. They're not allowed to grow we up. Right. Oh, it, it, exactly. So, you know, and then and growing up is where you figure yourself out. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're not allowing those, those platforms to happen. And, you know, but I, I, I came from that platform. And, and so, you know, I was 18. I had some, I had a D3 basketball scholarship to one school and I had a D1 scholarship on soccer to UW Green Bay. So, I was from Green Bay. It's a Division One school, but it was never in my mind to stay home. You know, again, I, right. my, one of my first things that I always say to kids that are 17, 18 and are trying to look Get for the colleges. Hell out. One of the, yeah, well, one of the first questions I always ask them is, "Hey, how far away do you want to live from your house?" Yeah. You know, some kids want to be near home because they like being taken care of. Some kids want to get the hell out of that nest and, and 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 fly. Or some people just like their hometown. They like where they're from. They like their people. They they, they enjoy their families. And they stay. And, and there's nothing wrong with any of those scenarios. It's just, what do you want? And, right. and so for me, my 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 life was like, okay, I want to test myself into some bigger markets. I want to go to Chicago. So my coach for high school happened to be the old UW-Green Bay coach. So UIC, Illinois-Chicago, was where I went, ended up going. He called his the old coach at, at, at UW-Illinois-Chicago. Um, um, uh, right. So basically what happened there um was he just said hey i gotta he was like his old italian guy he was like a six-year-old dude <laughs> he moved to, he moved to america when he was like 30 as a young italian guy and became a coach and a player and and and, and um, he even tried out as a kicker to be a, a green bay packer um <laughs> nice. funny, funnily enough um but he was just old dude he was just an old guy white-haired italian guy really personable he was like almost a grandpa figure for me kind of through my three years of high school soccer and uh he just, he took a chance on me and he called the coach. He was like, I think you should take a chance on this guy. Right. And so the guy had 2000 bucks left in his, in his kitties for scholarship money. So, you know, I had to pay out of state tuition for my first scholarship. I went to Chicago on 2000 bucks a year and my parents paid the rest. But for me, it was better than nothing. And, and I, and I, and I really wanted to test myself in those markets and play against good players. Cause if, when you're from the Midwest, Chicago is kind of the homegrown where you go if you're any good at, at, at soccer or, you know, if you play for the ODP team, you got to go to the play against the Chicago fire reserves or go play against the uh, Chicago soccers or some of the big organizations up in Chicago. And uh, so that's kind of was where my mind was at. I was like, okay, well I'm a decent, I'm a good athlete. I'm a good competitor. You know, the at UIC has an art program that I was interested in because it just so happened my brother who was three years older than me, his roommate at college in Wisconsin was uh, his roommate was an in- industrial designer. Uh, so cool. I would look at his, I would look at his designs. I would look at his drawings. I'd be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, this is a, you know, this is a, this is a fishing pole I made with a different roll, with a different rod that you know has a different trigger and it's this and this." And I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." You know what I mean? Like, and so, so you that's didn't think about going to school for for like like for art? At I mean, when you went to school initially, yeah. it was just like. I mean, I wanted to be an athlete. I, yeah. I definitely, you know, scholar, you know, I, my sporting opportunities were what I wanted to run with at the time. Uh, right. But again, design and kind of en- engineering and kind of stuff like that. Because my brother went to school for packaging design, so he works for um, International Paper as their as their lead designer for packaging and packages for products and stuff. Right. Uh, so I, I, you know, we I don't know where we got our design roots. I don't know. Both my parents again <laughs> were gym teachers. Maybe 
But again, to be to be a gym teacher, you got to be creative. I, I wouldn't say you got to be artistic, but I would say you got to be creative. And, and and I guess that's where we both got our creativity from. It's, it's kind of being a part of those. And you know, gym teachers got to make their own lessons and figure out you know how to get the most out of each kid because each kid doesn't want to participate in sports away you know on a, on a broad level you know sports people do but what about the kid that hates working out and what about the kid that yep. you know can't run and doesn't like to to be you know strenuous on their body so you know how to figure out creative ways to inspire those people to work absolutely so i think maybe that was where i get where i got that kind of the creative side for but when i got to university in, in, in chicago i was i was really pleased with the design program walking around the art and architecture school so it kind of just felt right and then from there it was you know, Glenn, I was a I was an 18 year old good athlete that was okay at soccer. So they they were going to redshirt me my freshman year. Uh, I got recruited as a forward, but you know, as as, as time and story would have it, uh, my first preseason tournament there was an injury and a red card to the two defenders, and we had no athlete, we had no we had no one left to yeah. play deep. <laughs> and uh, my coach knew that I was again an athlete and a competitor, and said, "Hey, have you ever thought about playing defender before? I'll, you're kind of next in line if someone I'd maybe try." Right. And I was like. Oh, okay i guess you know <laughs> exactly i'm a uh, you know again my mindset always was uh, this opportunity you, you know what i mean i'm a freshman i'm about to be redshirted so i got redshirted uh, it I'm I'm awful it's like it's it's it just stifles to me like it ended my yeah. baseball career it, you know well, just, yeah and that was kind of where i was like i was like i gotta spend another year at college just yeah. so i can try to play that doesn't make any sense to me so uh, and again, because my mind wasn't right. That mind wasn't to be a professional soccer player. It's to be a college soccer player and to right. get a degree. You know, and again, that's what most mindsets are when you get or should be when you go to college as a freshman. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're always, again, getting way ahead of ourselves in our development yeah. as to, you know, thinking I'm going to be pro when I'm not even a college collegiate All-American. Yet. You know what right. I mean? Like, it doesn't it doesn't transfer. Right. Um, so I was kind of one of those people of that mindset. Um, again, I liked school, so it wasn't a huge priority for me to be a the best, uh, but that opportunity allowed me to understand that I could be a really good defender. Because yep. by the end of that preseason tournament, I played three games, and in three games, I figured out that for 18 years, I've been playing out of position. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's that's awesome. <laughs> that, that's kind of how it all was. Like, okay, wow, uh, this is new, but I could we could go here. And, you know, by my my sophomore year was our best season at UIC. We made the Sweet 16 of the of the NCAA tournament. We played Stanford at Stanford. Jeez. You know, for a small Division One school, you know, I be, I started to become a good player. But we started to get some, you know, good looks. You know, MLS team. You know, it's in Chicago. So my junior senior year, I played through with the Chicago Fire Reserves. Just um, so I started, for, you know, I didn't, you know, that was the first time as a, as a 20 year old that I started to train on a full-time basis. Right. So that was, you know, again, ODP or uh, PDL in the summer. Uh, again, I worked as a bartender and a, uh, and a server uh, at night. And again, you know, so I had, I had jobs throughout college and started to get a lot of that life experience. Again, I was a social guy. So I was learning how to party. I was learning how to <laughs> be social and, right. you know, doing all that fun stuff, which is part of social management. It, it, it really is. And, and that's that's a part of youth development. And as far as I'm concerned, how do you become social? How do you how do you learn how to hang? How do you? They don't te- they don't teach that shit. Like I mean, that should be a class in college. To be honest with you, is like how to how to oh, communicate. About, you know, we're gonna get to this, and we'll get to this in my new <laughs> my new part program for the youth. But cool. Um, this is again, this is all part of my experience, and, and these are real life skills. And I don't mean like hit on chicks. I mean like how to talk to girls so they'll like you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't you know get I mean? that. I still don't get that one down right. So, 
you know, but I, you know, I really call them a college time as a time where I really started to learn those things like time management, how to juggle work, study, hobby, uh, you know, and, and interest. And my, of course, my interest was still being an athlete. You know, I was starting to get a reputation uh, in the in the college soccer scene. My senior year, I got honorable mention All American, which I, I think for me, if you look at the story unknown kid from green bay that has no idea even how to play soccer but is a good athlete learns a position becomes a really good soccer player it's college story, soccer man. player anyway yeah and again gets a degree in design and then there i am at like this crossroads and the crossroads for me was like i had one year of pdl under my belt so i kind of knew what guys in the mls were like yep. at least on a developmental level and then from there it was like okay i i have four and a half years uh, i'm going to finish my degree so that half semester was the kind of my crossroad period i i i'd had a good college soccer career um i was i but i missed the draft so i didn't get picked for the mls so what happens there is like you get pdl walk-ons because you can make a little bit of money but that's the next stepping stone right and then you get kind of like mls walk-on stuff so like mls walk-on is just like playing pin pdl you'll get signed to a developmental contract that at the time was i think 20 grand a year and then i had okay i'm gonna go be a designer I can get a design job out of college to go work for a design firm in Chicago, 40 grand a year. Right, right. You know, like design, this is cool. I got a buddy that just, uh, he just, um, he designed this like, like Apple looking blender as if like Apple made, made uh, kitchen appliances. That was right. one of our senior projects was to take the brands of like Audi, Apple. Um, and I think it was Dyson. And to take those brand languages and turn them into a product that they don't make. So I I, I did a uh, I did a toaster as if oh, again Audi was Volkswagen. So I did a, I did a Volkswagen Beetle toaster. <laughs> so it was like this kind of circular George Foreman looking grill with really clean lines, kind of fun shapes, and right. like opened up like a and it could burn. And you know, had these little templates of of, uh, of 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 ceramic templates, and it would you could you could make a. You could magnet them to the top of the grill and you could burn different patterns into the toast. So it was like fun. And I like inlaid this Volkswagen car label under the top. Like, so it looked like a little beetle with no right. wheels and it opened up and like, it was like, but my, my buddy did this thing. He was like an apple blender and you could take it off its thing and shake it kind of like what you can do now. But this was again, 15 it was like, years ago. It's like Star Trek before the, yeah, before cell phones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, Apple, you can tell an Apple product even back then without even looking at the logo. You, yeah. know, you could tell just by their design language what it what, what it was. And so he, he kind of won some awards for this. And all of a sudden, he, he got an internship at Nike out in Portland. And I was like, whoa, these dudes are getting really cool opportunities. Like, you know, maybe I should just do this. And uh, at that time is when I, I, I was playing a lot with uh, – he played for the USL team too or PDL team. Um, he was a, but he was an English guy and he's like, um, he's like, after this season, I'm moving back to England. Cause I, I want to try to make it over there. It's like, have you ever thought about playing over there? He's like, you could live in the attic at my mom's house and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, well, I designed jobs. will still probably be there. Yep. I still think that I have a chance. Like the thing when you, you know, and I think this is what's important about anyone's story is that you have to understand it yourself first before you can believe other people. Yep. You, you know, you know what I mean? So, if I would have believed the scouts, I would have said, oh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, again, I haven't really played much. And, you know, like, I guess I'd, I'm, I've never been in an academy program. I've never played for ODP. Why in the world would they ever pick me? Right. Why? They got a hun 200 guys to choose from in about 30 draft team, draft spots. And they got Stanford, Clemson, North Carolina, Notre Dame, 
like these guys are the guys they're gonna pick. Like I played three years of organized <laughs> soccer. <laughs> you know, you know classic. What I mean? Yeah. So you know, but again, I had all these other talents and competitiveness and leadership built into that experience. Where once I started to play at a high level, I jumped from changing my position, being an unknown player that has no academy experience, to becoming an all-American. That's me understanding my story yep. and to have confidence in myself to take it upon myself to continue to create it. So that's where I started to get this whole thing. Like, wait, I think I can be good enough with just three and a half years of experience. I'm right at that MLS level. Now, if I can take that and think about how good I can be, if I apply that same mindset and training regime and, 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 and new experience to another three years, if I and, I mean, I mean and also just to have that much of your shit together at that point in time of your life, like I, were you like 20, 21 at that point? I was 22 at 20, the time, almost 23. Yeah. I mean, to me, like I was a mess at that age still. I mean, you know, like to, to <laughs> I mean, being serious, like to like, yeah, to oh, have, no, I mean, think about a 22 year old right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. That's what I'm saying. Like for you to have your shit together like that is, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Well, and again, I, I, I think shit together comes along with the experience that allows you to do that. Yep. And, and again, I'd had, I'd had 10 jobs. I'd worked for tons of bosses. I'd played for 15 different coaches in yep. three different sports. I'd, Yep. You know, again, like, like, you know, you think about that experience of what allowed me to have that mindset. And that's that was the experience alone. And I think, um, again, when we believe in ourselves because of what we are humble in our opinion of ourselves, I had failed. I wasn't picked. I was this kid that like, no, I was going to get red shirted, you know. Right. But again, I, you know, I'd created relationships that were better because I'd had a, you know, I knew what it was like to have a boss talk to me so I could be coachable. I knew what it was like to be told I wasn't the best. So, when you come to Chicago and you learn you're not, you're not going to take that personal. Yep. You're just going to know that you're not the best and you got to work your ass off to be it. Absolutely. But then you get this college recruited kid. That's the best player in Chicago. And all of a sudden he's not starting because he's started every game his whole life. How that, you know, that's mental health problems. Yep. And all of a sudden he's mad at the coach and he thinks the coach is a dick yep. because he's never not played before, but it's not, he's just a freshman and he's got other people to, to, to be in front of, you know what I mean? But a lot of times that transfer doesn't work. Yep. And that even that's involved in the exit program too. And this is also like college athletes that are involved in the exit program. They believe that the scouts are right because stats and bullshit will cut, will tell them that. But it, when, but when you know your story, and again, there's a lot of stories like mine, Steph Curry being a basketball one, yep. you know, there's guys that go to Davidson that believe in themselves, have an experience to know that his dad, of course, was an NBA and probably was like, you're as good as guys in the NBA did. You just didn't go to, you just didn't go to Stanford. Right. You, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and that's where mentorship comes in. And that's where some other things and coaches that I knew were like, dude, you can play pro. I promise you. Like, again, yeah. ex-pros, the guy named Brett Hall, who's a very famous Chicago Sting player. But again, he was like this Mongolian orphan that like walked there as well. And he was like, he loved that, like my kind of mindset of it all. He loved my spirit and really pushed me. And he it would, I would say from a coaching perspective, he was one of the guys that really pushed me to believe in myself. Yep. And, uh, and that's when I decided, like, either way, I got to do it the hard way. Either way. I got, it's, I got to turn this into advent, in an adventure because I can go be a designer. And if I want to get a job, I'll go do that. But if I want more life experience because I'm 23 and I, and I work my ass off to get a degree and I can go use it at any point, like, why not go find some life? You know, why, why not go try to believe in yourself and, and dream that you might, you know what I mean? And yep. so that's when England, the England opportunity was presented, 
you know, I'd lived in cardboard boxes before, you know, I don't, I know what it's like to live in an attic. I was a college student, you know, and it was no money. Yep. Uh, you know what I mean? I can, I can run into the Seven Eleven and buy a frozen pizza and uh, coconut water. You know what I mean? I can do that. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. Well, exactly. I know. You know again, I, I, I was stealing Snicker bars from the, you know what I mean? Like yep. 40, you know, again, and that, but again, that for me is adventure. That for me is life experience. And I think that's also undervalued. Yep. especially in high performance, especially in high performance programs. And I think that, you know, again, why, why aren't we telling p- kids to be kids or adults to be adults or 19 year olds to, go, you know what I mean? Go have fun. Yep. You know what I mean? Because like, we, we, we're yeah. gonna, no, like I agree. Know, like I, I actually just, um, uh, talked to this, uh, hockey development guy, um, for the podcast the other day. And it was the same thing where it's like parents are like, they're just narrowing the field of kids where like, well, you have to just play basketball and that's it. And like you and I, and like our age, like we played everything, like played tennis, basketball, football, baseball, you know, whatever. And yeah. so it's, it's just, it's a different, I agree. Like I, it's a different time with not letting kids grow up or, you know, the, the have fun aspect. I have been, I've been telling my college students, you know, here recently, especially now that we're teaching online, and she's like, don't make work for school right now. Actually, don't ever make art for school. Just make work for yourself. Like, you know, like yeah. this, like all this academic stuff can sometimes be bullshit. Like it's like, yeah, be, be well, it's, it's too, it's too, it's too structured and, and singular for us to be creative enough in our own mindsets, not only in the way we learn, but in the way we practice. And also because of those two things being different, how we apply. Yep. And within that becomes the holistic version of you and why learning is different for everybody. Yep. So, but again, I know we have to have institutions and curriculums because that really brings order to the thing. Sure. But I think we should be looser in our ability to educate. Yep. And again, that means like if I'm going to, and again, even in my experience, I was more willing to work out and get my sweat on and work my ass off on a training pitch on a Monday to Friday, if I went out on a, uh, on a Saturday night after my game yep, and we partied and I took Sunday off and Monday, I was like, okay, I'm hungover. I got to work that <laughs> off. dude. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you got, know it, I mean? so you got over to, being- you got over to England and, and you're living in, in your buddy's attic. And yeah. And you know, I, and again, this was a reciprocated saw hole in the, in the ceiling yep. that we climbed up through a metal ladder and we rolled a middle little mattress through the hole, and I that's what I slept on. That's awesome. So, and then we shared we shared a dresser in between the two beds. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and at the time I was I was playing in the twelfth division, making forty bucks or forty pounds in an envelope. So, I was playing uh, for a team called Southall Southall Town FC out by the the airport, uh, which was forty five minute drive one way just to get out there. I was living in Wembley. Um, Wembley, the famous stadium, was just being torn down. So the only thing that was left was the two towers, famous two towers yep. in Wembley. So that was like my greeting party. Like this place that was, again, I always say that England for you know North American fans of sports are like, going to England and trying to play soccer is like going to um, Rhode Island and the whole of the NFL was in Rhode Island. <laughs> and there was two teams in the biggest city and they were all had 50 seat stadiums and they had different colors. And if you wore those colors in the streets, you'd get the shit beat out of you. And yet there was four teams, 96 teams in that one size of one small U S state. Right. And every year the top three teams and the bottom three teams got promoted and relegated. So it was different every year. Yep. And within that work radius of a seven hour drive, 
there was 17 different accents that you had to understand. (laughs) (laughs) Now think about that in the North American sport. That's not even possible. Looks like, you you know what I mean? It's just like, and then their heads are like, holy cow. Yeah. English (laughs) soccer is crazy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like people in green Bay can't even get their heads around having another 70,000 seat stadium right next door to us. with A different color. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like that's, that's what this is about. Yep. And how passionate in, 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 in the jungle that I was basically walking into. And so that that's kind of what, but again, I'm a jungle guy. Like, I love that shit. Like, yeah. for me, like, walking into those, like, crazy environments, what truly, that's always me. Like, get out of my comfort zone. That's like me walking, that's the metaphor for me walking out of Green Bay and trying to get to Chicago and be a be a college athlete, soccer player. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was kind of a similar mindset. And again, you'll kind of see this throughout my story is that I understand what it's like to walk into that room. Right. Because when you walk into that room, Again, I was back on the bot. Even if even if I had a college degree in my pocket and a and a and all American accolades in my pocket, no one in England cared. You know what I mean? Like they, I'm, I'm, they you know, I want. I was there with purpose. Yep. I wanted to. I wanted to to be a soccer player. So again, I wasn't not training. You know, I was I was playing that Sunday league, Saturday league, getting forty pounds in a game. Um, again, working my. You know, again, I started as a sub on the bench with twelfth division soccer players. You know. Yep. But again, the first question they would ask me is like, "You're American? Like, what are you doing here?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, you are one of the first guys to like to, to play in the Premier League, correct? Is that like Hart? Is it that John Hart? John Harks? Is that right? Am I right? In that? Yeah. Well, John John Harks, Brian McBride, and then the goalkeepers yeah. like Tim Howard and, and, and Casey Keller. Brian Brian McBride's my soccer because I'm a Columbus, Ohio guy. So he was a crew. Oh. He was our he was our hero. So. Yeah, and he was he and he and he and again he was like me in the way that our styles of play really fit the English game. Yep. You know, headers and elbows yep. and aggression and yep. competitive and you know wearing our hearts on our sleeves and you know again and that's again when I moved over there he was guy you know he was like my idol yep. he was playing for the national team you know I'm a kid from Green Bay Wisconsin so he's the guy you know again I'm the same type of place you know right. we look up to those kind of blue collar guys and um, so yeah, like I'd watch those guys on TV in the bar and I would be playing in the 12th division on Saturdays. And, and, and again, like I'm getting picked up in a van with no windows sitting in the back. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 45 minutes in the dark. That's training. a great visual. I'm being picked up in a van yeah. with no windows. All of a sudden, oh, I'll I... give you, I'll give you a better visual. <laughs> what was in that bot? What was in the van was the guy, Dennis. He was our head coach. He was like this 65 year old dude. He smoked one. He rolled his own cigarettes with one hand and he would, and he, he was a he was a market he was a market guy. It's like the Wembley market. Right. It's like it's like your your markets like your regular like market places with that has like clothes, food, all this kind of stuff. So England has some of those. And so he he sold like merchandise, like ladies' underwear, guys' boxer briefs, <laughs> stuff like that. So there I am sitting on boxes of ladies' underwear in the in the dark, you know, van that have that has no windows. Like these little like <laughs> shitty English vans that have no, like Dell you know, Dell cars and uh, stuff. This Dell is like this is like a the spinal tap almost. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it really was. Like for real, it was that ridiculous. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh yeah, so that's where it started. And then all of a sudden, you know, you sit on the bench, of course, because I'm in England. I'm in a far off place. I don't I'm not in an environment where I can be a you know, brash American kid that thinks he's cool. You know, that's right. not the time and a place. You know what I mean? So I just shut up and I sat on the bench and I trained hard and between, you know, winning fitness tests to getting my shot to finally getting a start after like four or five times and then playing well and because you can control your performances. And by the end of that season, you know, I got uh, a couple looks. And again, when even at the, the cool thing about England is that it is so concentrated that if you play well, 
you generally will get looked at because right. the guys I'm playing in the 12th division is like a 37 year old forward that used to play for QPR and was a Welsh international and had 12 caps. Now he makes 300 bucks a game to play for a 12th division team on a Saturday. And that's all he's got to do, right. but he takes his 300, he takes his 300 pounds and that's his, that's his beer money for Saturday. And, and his little, you know, he thinks he buys his kids shoes with, you know what I mean? They all kind of filter down at that professional level. So you start playing with those guys and they're like, Hey, like, what's your story, dude? Like you're a pretty good player. Like what's going on. And then all of a sudden they help you. And then it's like, so by the end of that season, he helped me get a school, uh, 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 a tryout with a, a third division team called Oxford United. And so I, I, I borrow money We me and Kieran, the guy I went over there with, we were both uh, in the tryout. We, we borrowed his mom's car, drove two and a half hours one way. We get to the tryout, we get changed up. We sit on the bench until the 87th minute. And then we go in and, and we played three minutes each. <laughs> Nice. And that was the plan. That was the tryout. Right. And we're like, what? <laughs> you know, y'all were like, yeah, we'll call you. It's cool. You know what I mean? You Thanks for your time. And you know what I mean? Like, yep. part of the mindset goes like, okay, that was my shot. I've been fucking sleeping on a floor for the last year. You know what I mean? Like, that was my shot. Yep. You know, it's, not, it's time to go home. But for me, you know, and again, this is where mindset was really one of the keys to my journey. It's like, I was like, we got three minutes in a third division game, dude. Yep positive really that's 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 the that was the my mindset it's like i've just gone from the 12th division to the third yep. in a in a season that's good that's 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 progress that's yep. my journey's getting better not yep. getting worse and again i always talk about people in their own individual journeys and it's not just sports it's anything if your journey's not getting worse maybe it's not your journey yep you know what i mean yeah outside of like a true adversities and adversities are you know when it gets worse but if you if you monitor it, and I'm talking about for a year of me playing, being on a bench, now starting, now getting opportunities, now raising levels. Yeah, there were times when I felt like I was shitty, or I didn't start, or I was injured, or those are those are times where you're not feeling like it's awesome. But the overall perspective of progress is 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 moving in that direction. Then it's keep doing what you're doing. Oh yeah. If it's a oh here now down here and three months ago I was here and now I'm in this place. It's like okay maybe that's not your that maybe that's not you so but again i was getting those signs and, and and sure enough you know again i didn't make that third division team but that following preseason i got invited to a preseason that was playing against where it was a ninth division team and they were playing against watford who was a first division team in, in a friendly so i had played for that coach and he's like dude come over i want to see you you know you can play in this game i'd love to see you in that environment sure enough i go there i have two weeks of preseason training i play in that game and Again, as as opportunity would have it, I'm ready. I'm I'm built for it. I, I want that opportunity. I'm 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 tromping at the bit to get out there and prove myself, and that's what I do. And after that game, the the again timing is always a part of stories too. They Watford was a first division team that didn't have much money. Um, from the time because they just won't ban. So they didn't have money and so they didn't have money to buy good players. So they, they needed to find like diamonds in the rough. They were looking for a center half and sure enough, they say, Hey, well, we're looking things. That dude looked really good against our first team guys. Let's take him on a two week trial. And so there you go. Like, well, year plus I'm there. And all of a sudden I do find myself in that locker room. And, and so trials generally in, in Europe are two weeks. You get, you usually get a, a reserve game or two. The reserve games is like their second team. So these are like the U18, U19 guys, yeah, yeah. your U23s that, are on the bench bench for the first team, but aren't really playing. So the reserves is where you kind of get your tryout. And then from there you go to the first team. So I had two good games with the reserves and things were starting to do well. And 
um, I, yeah, I got, I got an opportunity. Uh, their call coach called me in his office and he says, um, you know, come to our last preseason friendly with the first team. Uh, I want to get you involved. I know you haven't trained with them yet, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try this. So sure enough, I go to the locker room on the day. It's a big stadium, 25,000 people. I walk into the locker room and he has me in the starting lineup. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> you with, with 10, with 10 guys I'd never trained with. Right in front of 25,000 people against the Spanish La Liga team called Surreal Zaragoza that had just basically been to the final of the, of the, of the, of the division one league cup of, of Spain the year before. So again, there's my, again, I'm thrusted into this, this whole new environment of like right. sink or swim moments. <laughs> and again, the good thing is of experience is that I was, I would been there before. Yep. I, you know, again, I had a moment of deflection and a wall putting up of, why, how could this coach do do this to me? What a dick. Like, I've never played with these guys. I'm going to mess up. This is going to be horrible. Or it's like you've just slept on a floor for a year, eating beans on toast, trying to get this opportunity. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so that's, that's, that, that was my two minds. And, and this conversation was famously in a, in a bathroom stall in the locker room. <laughs> that's where and all great bathroom. things happen is in a bathroom anyway. So. <laughs> Well, it's a good time to contemplate. Yep, That's exactly. Sure. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I played the whole 90 minutes. He, he called me to his office after the game. We lost 2 1, but he just said, Well, what'd you think? You know, at these times, I need to make decisions on players. Sometimes you got to throw it, it, people into the deep end at this level. You know, he, he thought that I did well enough, and, and he, uh, he offered me a one year contract. And he asked me if I had an, an agent, and I lied and said I did. Of course I do. Yes, of course. <laughs> but again, I, that, that's when I called the guy from that was the Welsh International. I said, what agent do you use? Yep. And the next day, I was, I was a contracted player for a first division team uh, for 25 grand a year. Yep. You know, again, it was much better than 40, 40 pounds, that's for sure. Yep. It, yeah. Was it a multi-million dollar LeBron contract? Absolutely not. But based on my story, that's, that's, that's success. So but again, based on my story, I know that I'm just back at that uncomfortable zone of being on the first ladder. All right. Um, but again, thankfully, two, two to three times in my life and my levels, I'd, I'd been there before. So mindset shift back to that. Uh, you're on the bench now. How do you work more every t- every day? How do you ask your your questions? You know, how do you train extra after after training? You know, that's where my mindset starts to go. How do you how do you earn the right to be in an environment? Sit at the lunch table with the reserve team. You know, again, but then injuries happen, and then I all of a sudden, my rookie year, I, I played 30 games yep. for the first team, and now I'm a starter. Year two, we get a we get a, a a new manager, and he inspires us. Bad news bears that were predicted <laughs> to be relegated to the second division. Uh, he he gets us to believe in ourselves, creates this whole whole new crew, and like we had young guns like Ben Foster playing, who was on loan for Manchester United. Ashley Young, who was a youth product from Watford, who went on to play for Manchester United. Yeah. We had some really good young players, some good old heads, and then worker guys like me that were in between. And uh, by the end of that season, we got promoted and, and, and got to the playoff final. Though Again, the most to kind of set that up. It's like the most lucrative game in professional sports. The winner gets the opportunity to go to the Premier League, and because of that gets the TV money, which gets the club yeah. about $70 million in the bank account to buy new players, improve their stadium, to be a part of the best league in the world. Um and biggest league in the world as far as TV contracts and things like that. So that's the English Premier League. And so there it was. I play in that game. I score the first goal. We win 3-0 against Leeds in front of 76,000 people. And there's Jada Merritt, man of the match on the field, <laughs> doing an interview with a glass ball, 
saying like, oh, yo, what's going on? And I'm like, I have no idea how I got here, but this is incredible. <laughs> and there I was, a Premier League player. Right. And no one, no one in America had ever heard of me. Right. That's it. A- <laughs> <laughs> so, that yeah. That is just classic. That is classic. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of where it really started. And it really started to get to this thing where, now I started to believe that I belong there. And now right. I started to think like, okay, now what's the next bottom of the ladder? Now I'm a starter. Now I'm playing in the Premier League. But there's one more step to go. And that's to play for your country. Yep. So I was, it was 2006 when this happened. And this was when the World Cup was. So there I was about ready to play against all the best players in the world. And I'm watching in a World Cup. And I'm in a bar in Chicago with my buddies as a player that's about to be in that. So again, no one in America had ever even thought about me before. Yep. But again, that gave me this whole mindset to say, okay, in four years, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in that screen. Yep. And and so that kind of is where I started to reset my goals. Uh, a year later, I became uh, we got relegated from the Premier League. Uh, I, I I played almost 40 games my Premier League season. Uh, by far the best season I ever had in a Watford shirt. Um, you get to play against the best teams, the best teams, the best players. And I started to really kind of gain confidence in myself and my abilities. Um, and then as a 20, 27 year old, I, I got, uh, I got called into for my first cap for the national team. That's awesome. So I, again, it was, again, I was really late. I'm one of the oldest to ever get a cap for the national team. But again, based on my story, also one of the quickest. Right. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, I always kind of appreciated that. And the good thing about going into the national team was, my day job for Watford, I was playing against McBride. I was playing against Frito. So when I first got my cap as a 27-year-old unknown person, I guess I had a little bit more confidence than your normal first cap person because I was playing and hanging out with these guys socially and, 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 and literally on the field. Right. So I guess that allowed me to kind of take some guards down about being the new guy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that helped me kind of adapt into the national program and, and, and to be an international soccer player a little bit easier and maybe a little bit faster. Um, it's so, so it's I, just I such like just thinking about the journey is like so wild because it's like you went this completely different route, which was much tougher than the MLS route. I mean, you know, what I mean, like it's most people would take the what would be called so-called the easy route, but you went this completely different way. It's like, I'm just going to go to the top and fuck all your rest. You know I mean? Like, I think that's like pretty epic, like that journey. And it seems, you know, again, and that, I kind of, again, there's a formula to that mindset too. Yeah. You know, it, 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 and again, it, I'd done it in three different scenarios before that. Right. You know, again, if you look at the scenario itself and you forget about the bright lights and the walls that might impede you from thinking you can do it. Right. There's no difference in what it takes to get there. Nope. You, you know what I mean? For the, from going from an unknown college, you know, high school multi-sport athlete that had no idea how to really play soccer to being a college All-American in three and a half years while changing positions was just as hard as it was to land on English soil, convince people that I was good, actually become good. And then use that goodness to actually to, to use the opportunity to thrust yourself into that I'm a Premier League player environment. Right. There wasn't much difference in the in the journey. The only difference was the mindset. Right. And and and, and again, it was like the mindset just changes based on where you are. Right. You, you know what I mean? And, and not necessarily the mindset itself. If that's confusing. So it's like that always that always was like this new block of like time. So now I'm at this now level of of, of of world cup now i'm an international but i got the world cup in two years 
now I want to play in that thing. I don't want to just be this dude that's on the team. Yeah, I want to make the team. I want to be one of the best 11 in the country because that is the highest level. That is the next jump. That is the big goal. Same as getting a contract. Now I have a contract, but my new contract should be for the best of the world right. to be the best of that. You know what I mean? I don't care where I've come from. I have the ability to do this now based on the environment I'm in. So again, that doesn't change. Yep. It's just the environment. Right. And so that was kind of my, my mindset. It, it took me two years to start. Uh, again, injuries finally came from Boca Negra and the guys in front of me. And I was able to play in the Confederations Cup. We were, I was in the team that beat Spain and snapped their 35-game win streak. We, we lost to Brazil 3-2 in the final, almost became the first American team to ever uh, win a major tournament. That set me up to uh, to be a starter for the national team in 2010. Uh, I have a whole other story that would take another 45 minutes of the eye transplant where I, I, I six months before the World Cup, I got an eye infection. I lost 70 percent of my eye tissue in seven, in 36 hours. Oh. I had a full I had a full corneal transplant surgery from a dead person's window that got put in my eye. I played with a stitch in my eye for two months to get to the fitness level to get chosen for the World Cup team. And then. And ended up making the cup team two thousand ten on the national team, and I got picked to be uh, again one of the one of the twenty three that got to make it to the World Cup. Wow! <laughs> I didn't. I've never heard that the I story actually. Oh, that's, that's a whole story for a whole other time. I, it doesn't make the documentary, and it didn't make it much other things. That's why I've never. Quiet, huh? <laughs> I was saying. Yeah, never... no, like I, I have a full organ donor cadaver wow. window in my right eye that was transplanted six months before the World Cup. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, and, and the story finishes with me not being able to see because I got the stitch taken out four weeks before the World Cup. And the doctor said that I would that, that the scar would hold. And I'd done all this shaping work of my cornea so I could see out of it without wearing a contact or a stitch in my eye, which I played with. Right. And then they took it out. And then right as I got met up with the team and had their two warm-up games against Turkey and Australia. My, my cornea collapsed and I was blind in my right eye again oh. on South African soil six days before the World Cup. Oh. So I got my, and it just so happened that six days before the World Cup, I go to the eye doctor and the eye doctor in Africa says, we don't make contacts that strong because I was back <laughs> and anyone wears contacts. I was at a minus six in my right eye in my prescription. Oh, jeez. And so they, they, my agent flew over the contacts the morning of the England game because he was English. I got a more, we got a motorcycle courier to motorcycle them to Bloom. <laughs> to Rustenburg where we were playing against England. And at three o'clock on the day of the game, I finally saw for the first time in a week, clearly. And I had to play against Wayne Rooney, the Premier League player of the year, i.e. the best player in the world for that game. <laughs> Talk about being thrown into the fire. Yeah. A little bit. Well, again, <laughs> yep. here's another story exactly. that I am used to that scenario. Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, and then, again, then that led to this whole kind of World Cup performance. And, uh, you know, I, I was one of the four Americans that got to play every minute. I played every minute of the World Cup in 2010, all four games. Again, I'm someone that's just not going to take those experiences lightly. I'm going to go in there. I'm going uh, gonna, I'm gonna to be ready. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to play well and make the most of those situations because I know that I've worked my ass off to get there. And that's always kind of been my mindset in these big opportunities and, um, I don't know if any if anyone did like. Have you ever watched the TED Talk that I gave? Yep. It, it, it's called it's called Are You Ready for a Sunny Day? And, and, the, and when you when you do a TED Talk, you meet with the TED advisors first, and you tell all these stories, and you they kind of dissect your mind and your mentality, and then they the TED curators come back to you and they say, 
they say, this is what we think your big idea is to change the world in 18 minutes. Cause that's what Ted is. It's yeah. how to change the world in 18 minutes with one big idea. Yeah. And the big idea for them was in times of rain or struggle or adversity, we as humans are basically trained to be ready for the rainy day. We buy insurances. We get ready for if we lose our job. What would we do if I didn't have my job tomorrow? What would we do as an athlete if I get injured? Yeah. But are we concentrating enough on our mentalities when we're thrust in a situation where you can be a D1 soccer player? Because there's a scout in the stand that's going to make that decision. Are we ready for when we go into our awesome job that we love and we know our boss likes us and says, hey, I got two interviews for this uh, head of department job and I need you to come here tomorrow and be ready for it. Yeah. Are, are you ready for that? Have you thought about it enough and prepared enough that when you finally get that moment that you're going to knock it out of the park? And Ted kind of looked at those five moments of my journey and said, you had chances one time to get to that next level. And every time you were ready to stand in that room and make the most of that. Yep. And that really is, is, is it. That's kind of like the Jada Merritt in a nutshell and where I kind of moved to you know, Whitecaps being first signing in the MLS yep. took that whole role of being like captain and and understanding what it's like to lead. And that was like a whole baptism of fire as like a first signing and, 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 and foundation of a club. Like I never was that before. I was captain of Watford, but first signing of an MLS franchise in a big city, you know, that's a big thing. You know, that's, that's a whole nother. Yep. And, and, and that was kind of where my, my experience as a leader really grew because that wasn't easy. And you know, we didn't win an away game our first whole season in an expansion year. We didn't win an away game. Right. I'm the captain, World Cup, like, you know, guy that comes in and they're like, hey, Jay, what's going on? Hey, Jay, what's going on? Hey, Jay, what's going on? Right. And I'm like, you know, that's where ego comes into play. And, and, and it's like, what? You know, and again, but then that was like a good humility year for me to kind of bring me back down. And it was like, but again, it made me a better leader and it made me understand that teamwork is big when you're when you're one of the guys in the locker room that has to create that. And, you know, I learned a lot of valuable lessons in that scenario. And then from there, it's like, okay, I retire five years ago. And now it's like, now what do you do? Wanted to take a quick second here to remind everyone to check out Jay Demerit's foundation, the Rise and Shine Foundation at TheRiseAndShineFoundation.com. And please stop by our website, TheAbstractAthlete.com for our free downloadable daily creative exercises. And now back to Jay. That's what I mean. Like, I, I always think that that's the interesting question for athletes is that when when you retire like how you had something back like you you knew you like you were an industrial design you know you love doing that kind of stuff but a lot of people don't have that thing and you know like that the locker room presence and just the camaraderie like losing that everything just kind of shifts so a lot of athletes that I you know that I've talked to and you know even myself to a smaller extent like when I quit like it was just like Okay, now what? You know, yeah, and yeah. and it's it's hard. I mean, did did, did well, you it, have that? It's the hardest. Yeah. It's the hardest, and especially because high performance identity is real. Yep. And and unfortunately, sports is one of the only professions in the world where it's not real for a long time. Nope. And 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 that and that's where that disconnect really comes from. If 
of like a education programs of why aren't there better education programs for pros or better programs for even college athletes now because even college athletes are like pros yep 100 and, and, and you're gonna find that crossroads whether you're 22 or whether you're 32 and 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 and, and if you're 32 i hope you have a lot of money because if not you're gonna have to earn it you yep. know doing that yep. you know what i mean doing something else so you know, I, I think for me, it was my problem was I had too much to do. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I kind of I started like I started a stereo company. I started three startups basically at the same time. One was a stereo company. One was Rise and Shine Charity and Youth Program. Yep. And then uh, and then was uh, I, I had a son. <laughs> That's a startup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ultimate startup. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I, I found trouble in because I started to like spend all my earnings because I was trying to start businesses and I didn't know what I was doing and I was making mistakes. And I found this, like I was, I actually found it hard, even when I knew what I was trying to do. Right. So again, I think we, I think we all find that transition difficult, but again, I think there's education and mentorship that really we could do a better job of educating and, and making sure that, you know, why aren't we as ex pros mentoring guys that are leaving the exit, exiting our sports and yep. talking about our experiences and, and, and having better funnels to having athletes that are really good at teamwork, communication, drive, you know, why are we using all those attributes and channeling them into sponsored jobs after yep. work or sponsored yep. job? You know, like there's none of that stuff going on. So that's where really my youth programs and started my, some of my like educational stuff started to come in. So I'm five years into the program at Rise and Shine. And again, those of you that don't know what Rise and Shine is, it's a it's a documentary film that was made about my story on Kickstarter in 2011. And it's the awesome. Passionate, you know, soccer community, it, it raised $223,000 when no one was donating money on internet when 2011 and raised raised money to buy all the FIFA footage and World Cup footage to make it into a documentary film. That's why it cost 200 grand to make. And uh, yeah, thousands of donors that I had never met before were donating to my story. And that kind of purposed me and kind of empowered me on my next phase to say like, this is a believe in it story. That's much bigger than myself. And if people are believing in me to tell the story, I need to be the one to tell it. And that's right. truly what rise and shine is now. Again, it's a charity. Um, so we, we run, we uh, basically, we raise, we raise money to send half of the kids to my program for free. Awesome. So I go into the communities and under underserved communities and find great stories of kids that, you know, even kids like, whose mom died of cancer this year and they're really struggling mentally getting back in the game. Yep. That's a deserving kid that could probably afford it, but I don't, I want to bring him up here to, cause he deserves the opportunity to be around leaders and, and stories and, and other kids. You know what I mean? So we use our program. Uh, and, and again, we rate the cool thing again, this is very Jada Merritt way. Uh, <laughs> we raise money. We raise, we raise money for the program because uh, by a music festival. So we run a two day electronic music festival in the mountains of British Columbia that's awful. I hate it. I hate it up there. <laughs> yeah, we get a, we get a thousand plus of our degenerate friends to go party in the field for a weekend and have a blast, and, you know, and just run this party. And, and and so we raise all the money in one time to pay for half the program. And it's a communal thing, you know. Rise and shine is a community, and this yeah. is our, our 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 music festival is the adult program because adults like us should go out and be able to have fun with each other and enter and raise money for our kids. You know yeah. what I mean, like. Uh, so that's that's the whole idea. So within the Rise and Shine ecosystem, there's the charity, which is fed by the music festival, and then the youth program is the driver of the program. Right. So and that it, it's a, the youth program is is for 12 to 18 year olds. We do two groups, 12 and 14s, and 15 to 18s.
okay, we, we, we combine professional mentorship with professional skill set training. So the, the skill set is taught by the pros. So the two programs we have so far, and we're going to add programs as we go, are the soccer program, which was the pilot program, and the, and the DJ program. So professional DJs and coach and, and soccer coaches, that that. to be a DJ, you have to have played the biggest, the biggest music festivals or venues in the world. So that's Coachella, Red Rocks, big music, local music festivals of 10,000 people. That means you're popular. You have a following. Right, right, right. And then and then the mentorship and, and in soccer, you have to have played one year of professional soccer at any level. So because because you made it, if right. you make it, you have the ability to be a mentor for someone that wants to. That's staying, I, stay, good. staying, staying as a pro is a whole different camp. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's professional. That's that's why I, I believe that this will go into a mentorship for pros eventually. But if, for me, where I'm going, it's it's when we start with the kids because we should start with them first because we're too hard to fix. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> to be honest, I'm past the point. Uh, I think yes. Yeah, yeah, and again, we'll get there. But the, the whole idea of the program is okay. So the the whole idea is okay. We train two sessions a day in that pro. And again, I live in the mountains, so the kids. Um, Actually, I'm on my phone. I'll show you what, exactly what they look like. <laughs> so the kids, I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm up in Pemberton in the country right now. Yeah. But um, so they stay in these tents. Oh, that's awesome! So those are the tents. Those oh are these my little god! Pots. Look at the view. Oh. They, we get to look at this every day. I'll be there next week. I like. Yeah, so you can see that. Yeah. So we. Uh, so we run 20 kid camps. I don't like, I don't like a lot of kids yeah. uh, because I, I lose the connection and, and, yeah, yeah. and I feel like it's, it's more important to connect and, and really change. And but again, see, that I, goes I, back I, to the, like, that goes back to, I think your parents being educators, that kind of one-on-one. -on -one, and I, I always compare coaches to teachers and I, I always say this on podcasts, but it's like, that that coaches to me are always about the one-on-one -on -one. sometimes teachers don't do the one-on-ones like more of those lecture type classes but when you get those yeah. teachers that actually pay attention to the individual which is what you do that's why i think you're so inspiring to people is you want to deal with the individual and that's 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 what i think the connection where the connection is i i, I couldn't agree more and I, and i think that Again, for me, what I what I'm trying to do with it is, is to create a whole new platform of how we're yeah. trying to learn. And again, and with kids nowadays, they don't learn like we did as teenagers. So I wouldn't take my experience and do what I did. Yeah. That'd be ego of me. Right. I don't want to do that. Right. I want to make sure that I'm not trying to create me's. I'm trying to create versions of me yeah. that they create for themselves. Yep. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But if 100%. I'm like, well, this is, and and, and for me, that's that's why we mix. And again, to kind of finish what we're doing up here is, so the pros coach, and we do two sessions a day in the skill. So we go to the training sessions So there's two pros in everything that we do. So it's the DJ camps. We take pro DJs, and every day they come up to the property, and they teach a skill of DJing. So the first day is beat matching. Second day is uh, uh, in live instrumentals. Third day is producing tracks. Fourth day is uh, a collaboration. Right. So each day they, 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 they talk about that stuff. They learn from the pros. But then once a day, a mentor that's professional at something else comes to the property and spends the afternoon with us. And so these guys are chefs, uh, entrepreneurs, artists, designers, musicians, hockey players, helicopter pilots, <laughs> stuff like this. So the helicopter pilot one was awesome. And so basically we, 
we we surround them with them. They do like a 20 minute talk about their lives because storytelling is mentorship in my opinion. Yep. Um, um, and so, cause we learn about what other people do to get to their own successes and that's the development. So they have 20 to 30 minutes to share their stories. And then we have another hour to practice and whatever it is that they preach. So, or experience it in what they do. Right. So if it's a, so I'll give you a couple of different lessons. So for instance, we, we had, I had a, a woman come up last year. She runs a bespoke fashion company in Vancouver, uh, but it's for men. So it's like message of how do you become a dominating woman in a male driven industry? Mm-hmm. And then how do you, how do boys 15 to 18 learn about fashion? So we have two sessions a day with the coach and we learn soccer. We, we have a chef on property. So every, every meal is a nutrition lesson. And then there's, and then every day the mentor comes in. So the fashion girl comes in, she talks about the stories, she gives those lessons. And then the practice was, me and the other coach, I brought up all my clothes from my closet. And then the kids, we picked three outfits, their prom, their first date, and uh, James Harden game seven. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was the three outfits. Right. And the kids had to dress us and we put the kids into groups and the kids had to, you know, after learning what fashion and how to tie ties and what, how to how to not mix stripes with polka dots? Right, right. How to, you know what I mean? How to wear fitted jeans and what even a fitted jean is? And what does a cut <laughs> look like? And how should t-shirts fit? You know what I mean? Like simple things that kids should know. Right. And again, it's not it's not the kids' fault that no one's teaching them this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Exactly. But again, what the, but but the program is built along the idea is that the kids don't want to learn from general public school teacher anymore because they're not influenced enough. Yep. We need to learn because from blue check marks or people that have credible stories or rise and shine abilities to be really highly successful. And so generally right now on social media, that is you have following. Yep. You are cool on TikTok. Yep. You have uh, a blue check mark next to your name on Instagram. I love following your stories, designer. Yep. Uh, I love your fashion, whatever. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So now that's the idea. I don't just bring up somebody to talk about fashion. I bring them someone that they can follow with the brand that's on the wall of the white caps yep. stadium. You know what I mean? And then that kid goes, Oh yeah, I remember fashion. Here's my lesson. Yep. Because I'm at the then the, light, the light bulb goes off. Like yep. a, 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 exactly. Yep. And that's where I really truly believe mentorship is a hook. If you can get them to listen, yep. but the only way they're going to listen now is if you play professional sports or if you go to a big university or if that coach is, from here or that story says that's valid because that is a person of influence through social media so that's and again in practice it works even better but the the hard part for me was that 20 30 kids at a time leave and i couldn't keep them connected so i'd see them the next year and i could see they improved but i could see that they weren't living to the program right if you know what i mean Yeah, yeah yeah so that's when that's when I, I decided I would, I would take it upon myself to, to turn this into a digital program. So what, what I'm doing now is, is working on uh, the Rise and Shine digital program. So it's going to be an app geared at 13 plus uh, where we're going to gamify those mentor lessons, just like Masterclass does for us as, as, as pros. Yep. Same idea. The pros coach, but we, we tailor the lessons of fashion. So imagine, take that fashion lesson, for example. Now we have four-part lessons about textures, colors, design, fit, general lookbooks yep. from said woman who now has an incredible story about how girls can learn about how to be a woman in a, in a, dry, a male-driven industry, how boys can learn 
how to look good for girls, right. how, you know what I mean? All these types of fashion tips from the pro. Right. If you don't know her, click her Instagram yep. and you can follow her. Yep. You can see the check marks. You can see the following. You can see her gear. You can yep. see her whatever. But within that now goes, okay, but then the cool part, and this is what's going to make us different, and this is why we always practice what we preach because this is where we now learn by doing, which is I, I'm going to learn by do, guy. And again, this is design mind. <laughs> right. As you guys know, an art, artist, creative mind is designed by do. You know yep. what I mean? You got to oh, oh, I, I think that might look good with stripes. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you just think about it. You're just like, no, you got to go put stripes on the damn thing and yep. see if it looks good yep. with stripes. <laughs> Failure you know is I mean? a part of like <laughs> being an artist and an athlete. Like I, exactly, and and people are afraid to fail, and I mean I you know being a baseball player I I always say this in my class, like as a baseball player, and I I say this as an artist too. It's like if you're succeeding thirty percent of a, uh, the time as a baseball player, you're one of the best players, but yeah. in regular society, thirty percent is <laughs> shit. But like I think as an artist or a creative, that's pretty standard. Like thirty percent of the yeah. time, and but that's when you learn. Like that's the beauty of failure. It's like, you don't really learn from succeeding. It's great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But like that, that, that knowledge and that understanding of shit comes from failing. Totally. And, and you know, again, like there's all the words like process and there's all these words of like, you know, that it, which is so true. And, and that's the kind of learning, the learning mentality is that there are no wrong answers. There are no failures. There's, there's this, there's just the ability to get better at it yep. every day. And I, and I think, again, that's, that's, that, that for me is the teaching, you know, rise yep. and shine isn't a soccer program. It's, it's, a, it's a youth program. Yep. And, 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 and what, you know, again, now we're going to digitize those into lessons, but the cool part is, 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 is now their action. So what they're learning now is alone as a tool to interact with the lessons. Yep. So now if the said artist, or, and, and again, the cool part as well is that we've just signed EA as our yep. founding partner in the app. Congratulations. So, Cause that's worth gamification. Awesome. Yep. Oh dude. It's, it's, it's a whole, again, it's a whole new stratosphere. Yep. So again, I'm now uncomfortable at the first, at the first step of the ladder with the biggest video game company in the world yep. saying, okay, I'm going to give you guys a chance. Now you got to make it, make yep. it work. Ready, go. So again, <laughs> I find myself in this situation again, and now I'm working my ass off every day. I'm on calls for wireframes and developers and working with my mentors and, and, and working with my celebrity friends to create cool lessons. And, yep. and, and again, the cool part is the interaction of the kids. Now they're going to learn by do, but by doing, they're going to earn points. And those points are going to cash out 30 minute zooms with celebrities and, yeah, and awesome. sign memorabilia from your sports stars or cool shout outs from your athletes or, yep. Uh, a, a trip to the Nike design department for a day for a local kid in Portland that loves design yep. who, who did the Nike design lesson. Cause we work with design and we talk about renderings and color theory and, uh, uh, and shoe design and whatever. And then you get a free pair of shoes and you get to go to the design day. <laughs> yeah. What kid in the world is going to be working <laughs> his ass off to learn about textures, design, color to go and learn that incredible experience. Now every kid isn't going to do it, but every kid will get 50% off shoes and a digital coupon, maybe a shout out from Nike's coolest designer yeah. and other stuff. You know what well, I mean? But so it gives them, it, it also, it just gives them that incentive. Again, it's like that. That's why sometimes teaching or learning is because people are not engaged and like this, this gets them engaged, man. Like that, that's the exactly. key. Like exactly. And that, and that's truly the only way the kids are learning these days is, yep. is, is 
and again, the cool thing again, and this is why I just love it because it's so, it's so non, and again, what you talked about, like being a teacher is so non-ego. It yep. should be really non-ego because it's not about us. We're using our experience to educate them. But the cool, the cool part is when the mentors start giving their lessons, they appreciate their stories more. They're willing to educate more because when you share your story and understand as the person of mentor, what you've gone through and how important it is and how much you should appreciate that, that helps me be whole as a mentor. It helps me want to mentor more. It helps me want to give more. It helps me want to, you know, be more of a part of these kids' life. So if we can create that holistic wheel of mentors and kids that actually want to learn from us, now we're creating a community that actually can do good and appreciate each other and live in a, a holistic world where we're all happy instead of having to go at each other and trying to take our take our feet up from each other and live in a cutthroat world where it's all about yeah. us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we drive by ego and money right now, not by value. Yep. And I think well, what this program's goal is, is to create better mental health in kids and to create singular value so that they can use that as a foundation to go and do whatever the hell they want. Yep. Like get in a fucking backpack and go pretend like you're going to be a professional soccer player because you believe you can and then you actually do it because you're right. Yep. No, and I think you know that's I mean? why, like, yeah, no, totally, dude. Like, that, that's why I think that there's so much overlap of what you and I do in terms of, like, the mental wellness com- component, the, the overlap of athletics and sports, I mean, and, and art, and just this relationship of, like, ins- inspiration. Like, that's almost, like, the, the, the biggest part to me is, like, the way that you inspire and that we try to inspire not just kids but humans, you know, like, to and, and 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 it's so worthwhile like it's so like i like every day i wake up and it's like man i can't believe i get to do this you know it, it, well it, and, and this is the cool thing as well about mentorship is it doesn't have to be from a celebrity it's no. it's again the, the w- with a learning program we're going to do that but one of the things we're going to do for some of the kids to get to some of the celebrity big prizes is that say for instance uh you know they want to learn about design they have to go and work with a local design firm to do the local design lesson because we have to make sure that the net is big Yep. because what happens with the mental health issues is that these kids at 18, 19, 20, 21 think because for 18 years, they've been told that they're going to be LeBron James and what happens when injuries don't get picked, fall out of love, get burned out. And and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I'm not LeBron James. Mental health, Mm. insecurity, all no skills because you put all your eggs in the singular basket that was never going to happen in the first place. Because if you were 14 and you were going to be LeBron James, we would already know. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Why are we, why are we building our education systems and programs, even at the, even at the college level in a much less holistic way? Why aren't we doing it holistically? Why aren't we talking more about it? And again, we are, we're still in an antiquated system. I mean, like, yes. And, and, And we're still being driven by, money and, and greed yep. and ego yep and, 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 ego and again, ego in particular <laughs> yeah ego in in academia is is like the the killer of all things to me exactly exactly and, and, and again I, I again we have to be the program changers because who's gonna do it they're right. not gonna do it nope. the kids aren't gonna do it so who's gonna do it who's gonna create that shift and so that was kind of like i started to work for some high performance programs when i retired and i was like because when you're captain, again, and, 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 and again, I got picked as captain seven of the 10 years I played. I'm not picking myself. Somebody <laughs> else is picking me. Right. Right. A guy that walked there and was never supposed to be there in the first place. And anyone that I played with will tell you I was never a good soccer player. 
<laughs> That's classic. But I'm gonna ask. But, I'm gonna ask Heath. You did, pl- did. Where did you play with Heath? By the way, our mutual friend. What well, did you guys play in UIC? My- he played with my college with one of my good college. Buddies. Okay, that's so how I you played guys... with him at Madison. Like, okay, I played with him at Madison. He was a different from different programs, but right. okay, uh, we just crossed paths okay. just through the soccer guys we knew. He yeah, played yeah. with my one of my really good friends from home. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, yeah, that that for you know, and for me, it was like I was so disappointed in the programs. There yeah. I am trying to lead and talk to you know two hundred kids in a field because I got a, a badge on that everyone thinks that they care about and all the programs are paying five grand a year to pay for that badge. And then I'm looking at the products of these kids that I'm trying to now really have mental health issue talks with, and I'm seeing their fragility. I'm, I'm seeing their lack of communication skills. I'm seeing their lack of life skills. I'm, I'm seeing their great soccer skills. (laughs) That's not going to last long. at the end of the day, 1% of those guys is going to be LeBron or 1% of those guys is even going to be a, a professional soccer player. Yep. So I'm looking at all those products and guess what? In England and in in Vancouver, it's no different. The only difference is that in, in England, they get released at 12, 13, and 14 from professional clubs. Right. Not 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 like they are here. Because in England, they start at nine. So again, that's where I started to learn from there. And then I took that for going, wow, this is a problem with youth. Because when you're a captain, you have to talk to the youth. You have to go to the learning centers. You got to go talk to the parents. You got to do all this stuff just right. to make sure that, that that again that holistic wheel that I talk about is real. And if I'm leading the club from the front, and I have to engage in community, I have to engage with the youth. If I'm doing my job, so again, I started to learn very quickly that these programs are just again they're one lane tracks to mental health problems. Yep. No, and, and again, Unless I just think it's that it's that antiquated system that we haven't grown out of, and we always. I always think of academia in general. And I mean, I I think this goes into anything like we're very siloed as, as a planet. Like we always want to put little, little silos everywhere to, well, this person does this, this person does this. And it's like, well, what if I want to do like 10 of those things? You know, it doesn't mean I have to be, it doesn't mean I have to be like the greatest at, any one of them, although like I'm competitive like you, like I would go at it a thousand miles an hour, but like that idea of being able to shift around and move around, like is almost frowned upon. I think it's changing, but I, I you know, like just, that's... I think so too. And that's the, that's the good part. And yep. again, I know that you're one of the, one of the fighters from the other side, like myself. And, and again, I think we're, we're totally necessary to this shift, but I think that I do see the shift. I do think that parents are starting to become you know, lifting the fog, so to speak, of like this fog that the institutions and programs and and, and things have created. Again, I think, again, those silos that I'm talking about, those, again, those ego, greed, money-driven systems that are silos of singularity are like now starting to be like, I'm kind of starting to look around and be more conscious of the fact that I'm in a silo and this isn't working because my son has anxiety issues and he can't communicate with his teammates right. or he doesn't want to go to training anymore yep. because he he's being bullied by his teammates you know you know what i mean like yeah. these are the things that are happening all over the place yep. all over the place and again i ask them because i sit in a bonfire with 20 teenagers all summer yep. hundreds of them and i because 
I'm an educator. I ask them. I'm like, yo, what are you guys struggling with? How are you guys partying right now? Yep. What if you had to have one pickup line to go hit on a girl? What would you say? You know how to cook your girlfriend dinner. Yep. What do you watch when you get home from school? <laughs> what Netflix shows are you watching? What kind of things are you doing in your extracurricular? What music activity? are you listening what to? What kind of things yeah. are you doing on yeah. your day off? Yep. You, you, exactly. Who's your favorite artist? What's yep. your favorite dance move? Here's some dance music. Let's do a dance contest. Yep. You know what I mean? Express yourself. And then I start to see shells or the expressive one. And then you ask, hey, well, how come you like to talk in front of everybody? Did you have parents that had you talk all the time? Yep. And then the one kid that's not talking finally admits that his parents don't let him talk. Yep. So it's like. Again, well, and that's another thing that happens in academia. And well, I mean, it's again, I don't want to like confine it to academia, but it's like it's like we're not supposed to talk. We're, we're, we're supposed to be talked at and listen. And it's like while listening obviously is important, but that skill of communication is that's a huge thing that I think you're, you're giving youth is just like, yeah, go have a dance party. Like let, be, let it go for a minute and just like see what happens, you know? And again, like it's, it's almost like we're not allowed to do that. And well, no, exactly. And then the kids, when they get to do that on their own, yep. they're either unprepared. So then they feel uncomfortable, which creates the anxiety yep. or, or they're in something that they've never done before. So then it, 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 it or the skill set isn't there and that creates the fear to not learn it. Yep. And it's like, so fear and insecurity is, is what really creates this mindset of anxiety and I can't do, do things. And that guy's just talking down to me yep. and all this kind of stuff. And it just like makes people just go in themselves, but it's horrible to go within yourself if you don't know who you are and, 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 and cause it, it, you don't like yourself. And then that, again, it starts to breed a lot of the mental health problems. Yep. And, and again, if you can, I'll tell you a story just very quickly about kind of what this looks like and why the social environment I try to create where everyone matters and their skill sets are all different, but they all matter to the holistic version of social is I bring up these 20, 20 kids that are all 20 characters and they're from different programs, different communities. And, you know, we got first nation kids who've never even been to a soccer camp before. We got kids that are playing in second division youth soccer, which I accept. I don't accept only high performance programs. Right. The top three tiers of youth soccer, you, you can be a part of to be invited to the camp. Basically, you just have to learn how to kick. You know, you have to know how to kick a ball. I'm not here to teach you how to dribble around a cone and teach right. you to kick a ball. That uh, then you would be taking away from my skill set. Right. You know what I mean? And, and what I want to do and the way I want to teach. So, but but the whole idea is like, once these characters come up here from many different ways, and again, the charity brings up some that wouldn't be here in the first place. You know, some kids from high performance programs are like, "Oh, this is a cool leadership camp. You should go." And then you got everything in between. So. We get this is the older kid camp last year, 15 to 18. You know, these kids are, you know, every day they, we're around the property. There's a lake we stop at and all this kind of stuff. And, and then we have one that's a 12, 12 to 14 year program. Same type of social dynamic. One of the kids is a, is a decent soccer player. Definitely not the best one on the, on the team. But we go to the, to the lake on the way home. Right. And what we do, we do paddleboard races. We let the kids swim again, like raft wars, throw the kids off the raft, you know, again what you talked about in the beginning, like kids being kids, letting kids just be themselves. And you're a kid, go play in the, in the lake and yep. throw paddle boards and do all that crap. It's cause it's awesome <laughs> and, and, and do that. And, and, and all of a sudden I look at the quiet kid again, who's here because he's probably, you know, his parents think it's a good idea right. and he probably wants to learn. And he likes, you know, he likes outdoors, which again was, was kind of what I'm getting to. And he goes over and he goes to the, one of the other docks. He's by himself and he grabs a vine off a tree and he, 
goes into the dirt and he digs for a worm. And he's over at the dock and he's created a fishing pole out of his out of a vine. And he's almost and he's got these fish that are like trying to catch the worm. <laughs> and he's trying to pull up. And by the by the time by day two, half the kids are on the dock being with the cool kid that fishes, not the cool kid that scores the goals, because that kid has brought a different skill set to a group that now kids of that age think are cool. Right. And that's a different skill set, but different different in a way. But if you talk about everyone feels like they're a part of something out their chest when he walked onto the soccer field with the low one but that it took that experience of him being off the field or like to be creative or to show that this is what i bring to the table as a youth person or as an individual but now i find but all the kids find value in him so now he can sit at the table that he never has felt comfortable in before right so for me that that that's the environment yep so we can create this on a much broader scale on a much more individual way. And again, the digital program will do that. You can learn about any subject from anybody in the world with practices in that thing, being make, even making a fishing pole out of a vine and then find a fine worms. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But again, when you, when you say, Hey, what did you learn at camp? Oh, Hey mom, check this out. You're at the lake with the family next year in summer. And you're like, Hey, check this out. I learned how to do this at soccer camp. You that's know, life changing. Like, like that's <laughs> life changing stuff. Like that's what I mean. Like this is the stuff that that kids will remember, like the rest of their lives. It's not sitting in in these cla- these sterile environments. And again, I don't want to like shit on like, academia. Oh, no, but, and again, but, I'm not either. Yeah. I'm not either. We're all you know. I, I get that people are trying their best. But yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's experience. Yep. Experience is knowledge. Knowledge is power. Yep. It, it, it's. <laughs> It gets down that line of, of, of if we're not doing anything and we're sitting in our houses watching Netflix and cat videos and playing FIFA tournaments with our buddies that we play soccer with every day yeah. with the same fucking badge on our chest. Yeah. Like, how, how are we learning? How yeah. are we growing? How are we evolving as young people? We're not. We're yeah. not. Yeah. And again, same thing goes to now you go to college, said pro- college program or said professional youth program. Now people are making your food, telling you how good you are youth programs are with your buddies and you're not really learning anything because your priority is the Saturday game and your performance there. And then again, at 18, when your performances don't matter anymore, because you didn't get college scholarship and now you got to figure out what you want to go to school for. What happens? Yeah. Oh shit. I got to go to school. Oh, I didn't get a scholarship. My mom's pissed off at me. because She's been spending three grand a year to be part of a program so she can save a hundred grand from a scholarship perspective. Now that's creating a shitty family dynamic because now I got pressure from both sides and the kids like, I'm 18. And I don't know who the hell I am. Right. My parents don't even like me anymore. <laughs> and now I got to get a job at, and now I got to get a job at the grocery store because no disrespect for grocery store jobs, but now I don't have any skills and I'm an 18 yep. year old person that's supposed to have used sports yep. as a way to create community, leadership, communication, and skill set. Yep. Isn't that what sports is? Yeah. No, not anymore. Yeah. It's a single lane track to, to mental health yep. problems <laughs> right now. <laughs> Oh man! So no. anyway, as you can see, I'm I'm very I'm very passionate about uh, about this subject. No, yeah. I mean, I th- like, I, but I think that that's needed. Like this is, again, like you're you're a source of inspiration. Like, and also, I think your work ethic is second to none. And like, I think that's again like a source of inspiration when people see what you're doing. Like, you influence youth. Like, and that you know, again, like there's not enough people out there, like, like you, you know, you've used the word mentor a ton, which is the same as a teacher to me, like, and that idea of like how you're influencing 
And again, like you, I don't, you, like you said, I don't want to create little me's, but give them part of what you've gone through. Like your story yep. is inspirational. Like, you know, like, and again, go watch for those who haven't seen, we'll go watch the documentary because it's like, great, you know, like, and, and what you're doing with the rise and shine, like it's again, it, this is the stuff that is needed because it is changing people's lives. You're dealing with individuals in changing people's lives, mm-hmm. you know? And again, as you know, and this is why we're on this podcast together is that, you know, like it's a team effort yeah. always and, and collaboration in these types of environments is key. Again, the herd changes once once they learn that it's the right move. Yep. But again, you can't change everyone's minds. And again, I, I, I'm always disappointed that people can't make up their own minds. But again, we've created a system of life where the systems have to tell you how to live. Yep. And unfortunately, it's like because we, we're, we're not being taught to think for ourselves. And, and, and I think that a part of that is, you know, again, that's that's just the, the, the corporate mentality. But part of it is because we've never given them the tools for people to learn it on their own. Right. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, if you can sharpen tools, you can provide a new toolbox. And if you can create a message in a different way, like, again, mixing now digital. Why are we telling kids to go off phones and go play in a park yep. when all we've told them to do is go watch YouTube and, and go to school? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yep. why well, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Yep. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But if you say, hey go to the learning center for an hour, hop on and learn uh, how to rap from TI and, <laughs> uh, and learn how to design and, and learn how to design from, you know, Jonathan Ives yep. and, and do these cool exercises and use them. And, 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 and then all of a sudden you're, you, you, you put your entries in the Jonathan Ives zoom call and you earn it and you win yep. and you and 50 other kids are like, Whoa, yep. I'm sitting in Apple's head office right now. Yep. Not some of dude, some of some of the most rewarding like I've started this program uh, where I teach at Virginia Commonwealth, basically on this on the lines of of the abstract athlete. And it's called art and athletics and it's actually becoming its own program. And some of the most rewarding things are is like those athlete kids, like I had a track student, you know, and these athlete kids that well, they're not supposed to be creative, they're just here to to be athletes and to sit in class and listen to teachers. I have had a track student teaching a photography student how to write beats in my class. Yeah. And that to me is like, yeah. you, you, you can't create that. Like that, that is like, I, I mean, it's mind blowing to me and I love it. And I, and I, I, you know, like I get chills when I think about those moments because that's, yeah, that's not supposed to happen, but it is. And, and like, and you, yeah. if you, like you said, if you start showing people that, that this is actually the new world order for a lack of a better way to say it, yes. like it's going to happen. And I, and I think the real, con- the real convincing of it all. And again, it is a convincing program right now because we have to convince people that it's the right way when we have convinced people previous over the last 15 years that the single track is the right way. Yep. And it's, it, it's, I can, and again, I love, and this is why I realized that I had to create my own programs is because if we can't show them that you can't be the example, but you can't tell me that somebody can't be good at art and good at life and be a professional soccer player anymore yep. because I can look you dead in the eye and go, that's not true yep. because I am. Yep. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, and again, like uh, you know, I, I remember you posted when we did that show, what two years ago, whatever it was, and Tony Mandrich, who's a Green Bay guy, like, and he's an amazing photographer. He's actually going to be the next podcast right after yours. Yeah, and, and, and this is why you and I have always connected on it all, is yep. because 
and again, and, and I want you to know that with my program, we will continue to try to figure out how we can, you know, again, imagine kids, kids will do the exercises yep. on our rise and shine program yep. because you are working in your world to create them. Again, that's community. Yep. We need those bridges. You're working your ass off to do that in a cart and creative and athlete way to create those. There is no reason why we don't take that program and then yep. put it right on ours. Yep. And we, like Chris and I would definitely would be like totally happy to come up there, you know, like at, at some point in time. So, yeah. And, and we're going to learn even digitally that we can, yep. we can do your lessons. Yep. Basically talk to us for an hour yep. on the phone, even in, in an abstract athlete uh, way, we figure yep. out the best way we can turn that into an interaction through phones and 100%. then it becomes a digital program. Yep. So again, like that's what I'll continue to talk to you off the podcast, but yeah. uh, I know we've taken up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you know, we should, like, no, no, we it's, 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 three I, hours. I, I know that's, and I, but that's what I love that. Like it's again, like it's very fluid. I think we, we exist in, in such similar worlds. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, let, let, let's wrap it up for the day and we can always do another one at another time. Like, you know, I mean, 100%. like that's, and, and that's the beauty of subject them. You yep. can either subject them to, to different things. And, uh, you know, art athlete is one subject. And that's yep. what we're always talking about. Or, what, you know what I mean? Like, and again, that's good digital lessons, too, that we can add to the platform or the art. You know, this, the good thing about Ride Shine, it's just an ad, it's an addition tree. We're never going to take anything away. It's yep. just it's a platform. More, things, it, more people, more yep. celebrities, more yep. influences, more lessons, yep. more prizes, yep. more brand stuff. Like, again, the whole idea is that this isn't us. It's for them. So yep. it should always grow. and They can yep. pick what they want. It's, it's like I, I always say the abstract athlete is a platform rise and shine is a platform like, like it 100%. is and, it, and that's the beauty of it like 100%. okay cool and brother. again thank you thank you for no. allowing me to come to your, your platform and uh yeah we man. will definitely be in touch cool cool and uh anything you need from me of course i'm always uh, i'm always on your team back at you brother cool cool okay brother be we'll see well you soon. all right later Cheers. man Thanks again to Jay Demerit for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Really such a great dude, man. Uh, we're looking forward to doing some stuff with him in the future and his foundation. Again, be sure to check out the Rise and Shine Foundation at theriseandshinefoundation.com. Please stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlet for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information. See you next week as we talk with amazing photographer, former professional offensive lineman, and really truly an all-around amazing human, Tony Mandridge. Thanks again, and don't forget to exercise the body and exercise the mind, and stay healthy out there.